Hi, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of CKX Questions, the podcast. My name is Lee Rose, and I'm the managing director here at CKX. In our first season of CKX Questions, we're asking, how do we begin to embody the just futures we strive for? In this episode, I'm excited to bring you the first half of our digital dialogue with Alexa Conradi on Leading with Love. You'll notice that the audio is a little airy as the episode was recorded live at the Impact Hub in Ottawa back in April. Alexa Conradi is an award-winning author, activist, shift disturber, and friend. Her book, Fear, Love, and Liberation in Contemporary Quebec, is a deeply personal work, reflecting on her experiences as the first president of Quebec Solidaire and president of Canada's largest feminist organization, La Fédération des Femmes du Québec. In this dialogue, Alexa reflects on leading with love, and love of people, at a time of ecological collapse. How do we shift from the frenetic logic and metrics of production, similar to the capitalist logic that got us into this mess in the first place, to recognizing the real work of our change work, deep, slow processes to change policy, culture, and minds. In confronting Islamophobia and the proposed Charter of Quebec values, Alexa experienced intense periods as the object of online and offline hate. In this dialogue, she critically reflects on her experience of loss and rediscovery and on finding energy and resources to structure generosity and care into our movements and teams as both necessary and political action, noting that failing to do so is at the expense of the people and communities living at the margins, those that are carrying the burden of care work that is not being done efficiently in our organizations. Alexa calls on us to enable each other to slipstream, especially for members of our teams at the front lines of violence. How do we mobilize to energize and support each other? How do we take turns so our teams and communities do not pay the price for our disconnection from care work? Tell me more about this book, Fear, Love, and Liberation in Contemporary Quebec. Having read it in French and then reading parts of it in English, it's a very deeply personal piece of writing. Um, what job would put pen to paper or fingers to keep that and put all of this stuff together? <laughs> um, well, I had spent most of the last 20 years of my life being in the forefront of social movements in Quebec. And I'm an Anglo. Um, and that's an unusual experience to be in leadership positions in Francophone organizations. Mm-hmm. And I've been involved in some really important struggles over the years, one of them around poverty questions and social justice questions, others around race and secularism and racism, another, um, all from a feminist perspective, but I've been heavily involved in social movements over the years, and I've had a particularly um, powerful but also challenging time during the Quebec Charter debate, the yeah. Charter of Quebec Values, so the government wanted to legislate and so wearing any kind of religious um, clothing. In that work confronted the growing Islamophobia that is present in much of the Western world, but also confronted the wrath of women who felt that in my work as a feminist, I was betraying them. Mm-hmm. And um, so when my mandate was over in 2015, I took a bit of time out with um, help from the Carroll Foundation. I got a fellowship and realized that I needed time to reflect back on the personal and political dimensions of my experiences, which were quite unique ones. So the personal dimensions, of course, are how did I position myself in that? What was the experience of um, how do I think through the experience of being this object or of tremendous yeah. online hate and media marginalization, I could say. And then at the same time, reflect back on what we accomplished as a movement, where our, our source spots were. So the motivation was really to take some time to think through um, 
the challenges, the obstacles, the possibilities, and but from a, a space of a little bit of rest and recovery. Yeah. You must have been interested. Oh, exhausting. Um, I don't have a spiritual practice, but I all most of the years that I was involved, um, I had this sense that I loved people. Um, had a deep love and respect for people. And one of the things after being hit with so much hatred, mm -hmm. um, I felt that I was starting to get bitter and angry and not see first and foremost the humanity and the beauty of people. And so to take a step back and pull myself out of the rhythm, I was talking with other people about this, when we're in sort of the height of struggle and actual battles, the, the vibrations are too fast and intense for very, very long periods of time. And I think we need to be more thoughtful about those moments. So when I was able to take a step back, but I really took a big step back, yeah. I, I left the country. <laughs> um, so that way nobody nobody yelled at me on the streets, nobody could say, you, you betrayed us, how could you do that to us? That kind of thing, yeah. I needed a break. So the taking the step back, um, in, you know, in some ways you discover how tired you can be, mm -hmm. and I think I'm sure I'm not the only one, mm -hmm. um, that when you have a, you just stop being on the track with everyone else, you're not running, then in my case I just felt quite a lot of exhaustion. And then a lot of sadness actually, because I felt like I lost senses of belonging, not, not belonging to a social movement, but belonging to um, a society that I felt in the end became violent towards me and other people. Obviously, I'm a white woman. The violence that was directed to me was nothing like what was directed to Muslims. But um, nevertheless, I'd been part of something, yeah. I'd loved something, and then it felt like a lot of loss. And at the same time, like with a lot of processes with sort of love and loss, there's also rediscovery. Mm -hmm. So I've moved away again after after some time of rest and we had. Um, recovery, I really started to connect back up with the love for people okay. and that that sense that there's beauty in all humans, including those that are my adversaries at a political level, or um, also the gen feeling generosity towards people again that I had sort of lost contact with. So this is, these are, you're in part of cycles and that's where this question around love comes in somehow. When you say, you know, you're standing in a room full of like radical feminist leaders or political organizers and you're gonna tell people you're leading with love. Like what's the reaction? <laughs> well, when the book was published in French and I talked about that in public, first I had to get over myself to even yeah. do that. Because it's one thing to write in the intimacy of your own home and then it, for it to be in a book. But then I'm talking about it with other people and actually the response to it was really positive. And I think it speaks to something and it speaks to many different things. A lot of people, um, didn't grow up with a religious practice mm -hmm. and are seeking a spiritual one, whatever form that takes. Some of them religious, some not, whatever, but they're looking for some way to connect up a sense of higher purpose and being part of something more global. And in that space, one can find energy and resources that one doesn't find in the materialist world of activism. So there, there was, it was almost like I named something out loud in public. That everyone's that a lot of people are feeling, and we, there's sort of language for it, self-care, self-love, but I find that often too individualistic and too kind of neoliberal. I, I think we need to actually structure it into our organizations more and consciously, and that, that would mean recognizing that we go through cycles of birth and death in the world. 
and that has to do with our bodies and minds, but mm -hmm. it has to do with the rhythm of organizations. And that if we're conscious about planning for that, that it's not just an individual failure when someone's tired. Yeah. Um, it's actually structure. It's 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 part and parcel of social change work. And so if we plan for that, not planning for burnout, but planning for energy shifts over time, I think it's a way of just loving humans for their natural rhythms. Yeah. Like it's a kind of generosity and care that's really necessary. And I think it's a feminist subject yeah. because as we know, the person is political and then care work has been women's work historically. Yeah. And if we don't make it a subject of our discussions in organizations, then we're just leaving it in the private sphere. And then we're alone with that job. Yeah. And other people are paying the price for that. So racialized people, poor people, women, um, indigenous people, all the people who are living on the margins are carrying the burden of the care work that's not getting done officially in our organizations. Yeah. So that's why I think it's more to just put it out there. But it is it is like a little bit awkward. Yeah. Like, well, but so was talking about violence against women. So is talking about mansplaining. So is talking about colonization. So why shouldn't we talk about that too? Yeah, you're, you're talking about things like at a systems level, but then like how does how do you think that would work on a team? Like it was in a more you know in a more intimate context in terms yeah. of like we're trying to shift the culture of an organization who's leading change. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, see, this is what I think we have to try and learn to carry together. We are at a time of ecological collapse, and yet social justice people we produce we we have a logic of production that's similar to the capitalist logic that has gotten us into this mess. So we constantly pride ourselves. How are you doing? And then the answer is, oh, I'm super busy. Um, so I think we actually need to have a conversation in our teams. What is the language we use to describe how we're doing? How do we want to make sure, how do we count our time? What is the value? What, is it what we produce or how we get there? I mean, I'm not saying that we should abandon production, but to what extent are we basically putting ourselves to be controlled by the metrics of production or are we giving ourselves, recognizing the real work of our change work? Right? The change work happens, um, it takes forever to get policy shifts. It takes forever to get social change in attitudes, mentalities. These are deep, slow processes. And yet, we all run around as if everything needs to happen tomorrow. So at the team level, I think it's somehow important that we, um, that we develop a critical um, relationship to this speedy production oriented and try and figure out, well, what does it mean for us in this context? How do we look after each other? Yeah. How do we make sure that we um, pass the baton so yeah. that, you know, we're, we're sure there are moments where we have to sprint, but who's doing the sprinting? Or who, there are moments where some of us in a team are on the front lines of violence. So how does the rest of the team mobilize to help feed into that person's strength and energy? How do we take turns? Those are concrete ways to look after yeah. that. Then I think it also means confronting board expectations and funder expectations and not underselling ourselves. Yeah. Very often to fit within the programming, we think we have to say, you know, we, we're going to get this, 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 and 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 this done for almost no money. Yeah. Let's stop doing that because yeah. that's not okay. You know, the federal government employees have negotiated with important struggles and union work to get recognition around pay levels, around holidays, and why should we work for less? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that the whole point is just to get paid more, 
but it's this is it needs some space and flexibility to bring it back to that question too of that love isn't always just the happiness and the things but like this notion of tough love and how are we accountable to each other and how do we hold ourselves to account um, as team members but also in a broader system um, and using love as the as the mechanism by which we're you know we're challenging things a little bit and I, you're smiling and i think you can think about the example but like how do you how do you do that in a system where you know we have some critique and we're not okay with it and typically people are going to set up a visceral reaction of like oh you're again you don't believe me so you don't you know you're against me um and there's fear or there's a binary that's set up in a way that that, that prevents sort of meaningful things and how do you how do you use love or how do you give thoughtful criticism and the thing is that you love yeah and whatever that is a system a political party <laughs> your teammates like what is what does that look like for you well, at the team level, I think it involves generating regular practices of, of checking in with one another that are not just based on the informal. So it's creating official places where there's check-in. Are we are our expectations as a team reasonable? Mm -hmm. Is what is expected of us reasonable? Can how am I doing and how are we doing? Do we have spaces where it's allowed to even be spoken? If we don't, I think we're doing something quite wrong. And it's out of a real sense of care and love for one another. And if we can't do that, can you imagine what we're putting out there? I'm realizing the failures of mine in leadership roles at moments, where I just pushed on, pushed on. And I think about my colleagues and how unfair that was for them. Because um, I should have had their backs more, but because I couldn't even have mine, I didn't have theirs. And I think that was unfair. So I think at that level, we have a real responsibility to each other to name it and to normalize those discussions. Yeah. So it's not based on the bravery of one soul. It's like actually just part of the regular well, update. It, it comes back to what you said earlier about um, your love of humanity and people like this. If you can bring that, uh, I'm going to think of you as a whole person in that kind of space and have that relationship with you as, as a colleague, but beyond just the the job description and the title that you hold, but like how do you as a how do you bring that to the to the role that you're leading? And how do we support each other as people? Yeah. And not just as, you know, CEO, director core, exactly. that kind of thing. Well and you know what I do have experience with feminist organizations actually putting those types of things clearly into the work contract mm -hmm. and to how the organizational model functions. So there is some history of how do you recognize that people are your and not just workers yeah. and that how do you organize that but then we still have this unconscious i think influence from a very productivistic yeah you know perform perform um and that there we function just like pretty much any capitalist organization with and that i think is something to challenge that's sort of this where love can come in at a more you know workplace yeah. area um how does it come in at a larger um, scale, let's yeah. say. So think like in a, in a political movement, and I think if, so. Um, I think if you're, you probably have a few examples of your experience in some pretty challenging and uh, exceptional times of working in Quebec in, in the feminist movement and in, in political organizing. Like, how does that manifest, or how has it manifested in your experience? <laughs> well, I don't think it did that much, which is why I got to thinking about it. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure. That, that I'd really given much thought to it, but I certainly saw and was have been inspired by, um, and I have particular people in mind. I'm not going to name them just mm -hmm. to keep their privacy, but I have very specific people in mind, both Indigenous and Black 
women activists who have a deep spiritual practice and who constantly, in my mind, have love as a defining kind of ethos of their activism. And they are people who in every single day are facing incredible barriers, difficulties in Canadian Quebec society around racism and colonialism and sexism. And and one of the things that I noticed they did a lot of which is to situate themselves with their ancestors, ancestors, their living and the dead, and then the future, the unknown future, but who will be there, and constantly positioning themselves in in this long-term relationship. And why I think that has to do with love, because it's in the name of the love of your ancestors and in the name of the children to come that you you have an understanding of, okay, I'm one point in time that's present, but I'm not alone. They've got my back and I've got their back. And there's something deeply um, empowering to have that connection, a bridge over time, through time, regardless of whatever happens. And there was a lot of honoring. Um, like when I think of these particular people, I think of the honoring that happened. And that's something I learned from them a lot because I didn't have that yeah. understanding. And I had an understanding that we were we have to be conscious that we're not in it just for the immediate and that this is we can't think only like it, like we're in a sprint. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that this somehow shifting dimensions was an important factor in sustaining um, an understanding of change, but also then drawing on the beauty and the strength yeah. of the, those who come for. It also, I think in that way, kind of keeps you, you know, kind of grounded in the work in terms of like where it's come from, where it's going in a way that you're, you mentioned about not being alone, but also kind of that you're a part of something bigger than you, but you're also an integral part of it. So it doesn't let you off the hook. No. Right? Like you have to be like, well, they, well they'll figure it out later or this or that, but there's something about being present in the moment. Well, we're living in times of a huge amount of anger fear combined and then it gets directed at specific people and yeah. isolates them and it makes them the target and i've been the target but i've seen lots of other people i know and care for be targets and one of the things i've learned from that experience is that we need to um, actually be more strategic and careful about how we organize our self-protection okay so not just like alexa okay i go out there in the world i, I take on i get a lot of heat in the public sphere online twitter hate or whatever and then I go back to my house and act as if I wasn't touched by it. Yeah. But more like, how do we actually say, okay, so next week, Lee, you're taking something on. You're going to be out there in the world. And we know that there's going to be a backlash to that. So how do we make sure that the organizations and the people that you're connected to are ready, sort of on standby, yeah. to give you what you need at different levels? and to come and support you so and support the goals. So politically, how do you make sure that other people bring their voices in at that moment to say, yeah, actually he's right. Then yeah. how do we how do you make sure that you know you get what you need? You need support with your kids in that week because it's too much. Do you need support organizationally because there's too many emails someone else should read them? Yeah. Is it you know, there's so many different ways, and I think that's a kind of caring that we need to actually organize structurally yeah. and not just take for granted. And assume that all our all the people who agree with us will show up. 
they're busy doing their lives, right? Yeah. They're not watching everything that you or I are up to. And so they don't know that you might need them. So we have to be able to put it out there. And I think when, especially when it comes to media campaigns yeah. and ongoing ones where specific people are out there, and I'm thinking particularly in this time with debates around secularism, once again, Muslim, but this is not just Quebec, this is all over Canada. Yeah. Any kind of out there public speaking Muslim activists are taking a lot of heat and getting a lot of racist comments. Yeah. Same thing with people involved in Black Lives Matter, same with women who are denouncing sexual assault, Me Too, you know, being raped, they were reported to be. These are all people who are facing yeah. huge backlashes. And most of the time we just think, oh God, that's not me. And I think we need to actually organize then how, not what we protect in that like savior mode. We don't, we don't need more saviors, but that we actually organize how we work together to support each other through these things. Yeah. And it's a kind of awareness. So for white people, um, you know, how do we step up our game of awareness about those who are close around us, who are taking courageous positions and need us to take on other white people who are attacking them so they can don't have to do the whole job when yeah. it's on racism questions. Um, when it's on sexual assault questions, we know it's a gendered thing. So, you know, where are the guys coming Mormon in? Stepping and take, Mormon ste stepping up and t taking that on. And like, to me, that's a, that's a form of love. You know, a form of respect, love, care. It's always hard to pin down exactly what love might yes. mean. I feel often very badly that we call upon Indigenous people or women or people of colour to constantly, poor people as well, people living in poverty, to constantly put their most deep vulnerabilities into the story so that we can all care. Um, but there's so many stories out there. We don't need to have the story of each and every single person in order to make it a relevant subject. Yeah. So to me, a kind of political consciousness, awareness, thoughtfulness is um, perhaps to move away from the help model of helping the person who's in a position of vulnerability given the social, yeah. political, economic structures, but actually to take on the who's making those structures and what's making mm -hmm. those structures and the perpetuation of them. And that would be like a kind of political love to yeah. me. That's well, that's a shift, right? Like that's not typically our default response. No. It's not to do that. Right? So it's like this, you were talking at the beginning, this beginning from moving from allyship to friendship. Yeah. But I think it's even in friendship. Um, I was called out recently, and I'll give you the example of being called out. So I'm doing this training on how to become um, an anti-discrimination counselor. And in the group, there's a lot of dynamics around race and white privilege. And there was a situation where a woman of color said something quite clearly, thoughtfully, considerately, but firmly, that called someone out in the group. And then, the person in the group felt bad, <laughs> um, reacted defensively, and during the break, a number of the white people came to the white person to make her feel better, and leaving the person of color alone with a feeling, oh, white solidarity in defense of white privilege once again. And she said to me, Alexa, I know that you're, you, you didn't participate in that, but you didn't participate in undoing. Yeah. I thought, okay, my job, once again, um, is not always where I think it is. Mm -hmm. And that also, the kind of paying attention is a kind of, it's a, a form of love. To really listen and pay attention to what people are saying and learn 
to translate that into action that's where I'm in a position of how On behalf of the CKX team, I'd like to express my gratitude to Alexa for joining me in this conversation for CKX questions. Please see the show notes for links to her book, as well as additional resources on leading with love posted to the CKX questions platform. Part two of this dialogue will be live soon. CKX questions is a podcast from CKX community knowledge exchange, and we'd love to keep the conversation going. Join us on Twitter with the hashtag CKX questions, or send us a note at questions at CKX.org.